0: I know that we're a people of daily bread. We're a people of mercies new every morning. We're a people that acknowledge that God gives us sufficiency of grace, what we would need for what we need today. But this morning, I want to remind us that we also serve a God of leftovers. God is a God of leftovers. We should understand this. We should praise God for the leftovers of our lives. How many of us this week are preparing a meal... And you've got like a 37 pound turkey for three of you. I mean, come on. This is the week where we should get this concept of, you know, I'm not sure why, but every Thanksgiving, did you ever notice? Regardless of of how many people, there always seems to be leftovers. And what are we meant to do with these leftovers? We're supposed to use them. Because they'll turn into science experiments in our refrigerators anybody got some of those going on right now you got to clean out the fridge you got a can of sour cream from 1982 that you still haven't that's a good image isn't it <laughs> right. so we're supposed to use these things and as you use them or as you repurpose them as you take the leftover turkey and you make soup out of it or turkey blts or whatever you would do in your family for the leftovers maybe it's just a thanksgiving meal all over again isn't supposed to do something in us other than just, uh oh, we're eating for another day or two. and remember, But no, I, does it take you back to that moment? Does it take you back to this Thanksgiving meal is supposed to be a meal that as you use the leftovers, you continue to give thanks? You remember maybe the people at your table or you just remember that there was a moment where the majority of us took a, a second or two to slow down Just just think about the collective community on Thursday. It will take a moment or two just to sit down together. It's going to be different this year, but collectively we will sit down and we'll remember that we're supposed to give thanks. Some will pray. Some will just gather with family and friends, but they'll call it a day of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving isn't a day, it isn't just a holiday, it's a reality that flows from our hearts. And where does it come from? Like in all things from God, what we do, what we say, how we live is a response to that which is initiated from God in us in the first place. So when our hearts are filled with gratitude and they overflow in thanksgiving, it's a response, it's an act of worship that comes because God is a provider. God is one who cares. God is the one who speaks love into our hearts. We love because he first loved us. So all that we do could be as an act of worship, a response to the one who does things in us first. We have leftovers. Even the 23rd psalmist as. The psalmist reminds us that we are led right into green pastures. That not only does the good shepherd, for we have no need or shall not want, not only does the good shepherd provide care for us in green pastures and still waters for us, protects us with the rod and the staff, but prepares a table, prepares a table in front of us and says that our cups are not just filled We know that God is a God who fills, that God is a God who provides. But the psalmist says that my cup overflows. That's what I want for us. This season, this season of Thanksgiving, I want you to remember that when God fills, God fills for the purpose of overflowing in you, of filling your cup, not just to meet your need or to fill what you have, but to fill in a way where you overflow, where it just comes from you and gives from you, where God is going to fill your cup this week, I I believe that, I know that. In the midst of what we're going through and in the hardships of what we walk through in life, the trouble that we face, I still believe, I still hope and have faith in a God who desires not only to fill, but to fill, to overflowing. And that's good news. We should give thanks. You see, John's gospel is powerful in the way that John uses language. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right, are called the synoptic gospels because they see similarly. And so John is going to, in his own powerful way, provide some interesting things that I just appreciate so much about his take on the feeding of the 5,000. And so when Jesus went to have the disciples sit the crowd down, John says that there was plenty of grass there. Again, think about the image of the Good Shepherd leading us to green pastures. Think about what that symbol means. What is it, what's John trying to say? Is it just there's enough room for everybody to sit down? Oh, that's good to know. Or is he trying to say in the midst of our uncertainty, in a feeling of where we feel like there just won't be enough, Jesus when he sets the table before us or he is preparing to do the impossible to solve the miraculous, John sets the scene by saying when people sit down, there's enough room there's enough space, there's enough provision, there is plenty of grass. I don't know what you might be looking forward to in these next few weeks. You may be feeling like there won't be enough room, there won't be enough grass, there won't be enough resources or provision for you. I believe that there's plenty of grass for us to sit and to experience the wonder of God today. You see, When John tells his story, he's going to bring in some characters. He's going to bring in some people that we just haven't seen yet as part of this story. We see him bring in disciple, the great engineer of the disciples, who likes to think. And here's what I love about this, when he brings in people into the impossible, into the miraculous. When, again, he not only places the miraculous into our hands to distribute to the people, but even from the beginning brings us into solving this impossible thing when he says to Philip, what are we going to do here? Now, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, their gospel stories say that the disciples are the one who brings the problem to Jesus. You know, they're the ones who come to Jesus and say, hey, look at all these people, what are we going to do? You to send them away, go take, you know, they got to take care of themselves. And in John's account, it's a good reminder to think about how Jesus knows already. You know, how's your prayer life? Are you, you know, sometimes when I pray, I'm like, God, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but I've got a problem here. Oh, gee, Michael, thanks for telling me. I never, uh, never didn't know about that until... I mean, there's, there, there's something good about how when we bring to God, we name and we make it real, say, God, this is where I need you. But I want you to be encouraged today and to give thanks that even before you speak the problem, Jesus already knows it. He sees it as well. And in fact, he may invite you to be a part of the solution. He says, hey, Philip, what are we going to do with all these folks? What's it going to take to feed these people? He does the calculation. We're not sure how he gets that number. But did you hear what he said, right? Not just the six months of wages. We, we've probably heard that before. Half a year's wages, right? It's, it's going to take a lot. But, but what? For each person to have a bite. Look at what he said there. So much just for a bite. Thanksgiving challenge. Just take one bite this week. You going to do that? Can you do that? when you? We're all going to fail that challenge, aren't we? Because before us is a God of leftovers, right? So Philip's saying, just for a bite, just for a bite, it's, it's impossible. I mean, it's going it, to take a lot. But then I give thanks for the Andrews of our world, the, the Andrew that was part of the disciples that that found this boy. We're not sure how he found him, but brought this boy to Jesus. And said, uh, here's his kid, and here's what he has. And he, in naming, he has the five barley loaves, small barley loaves, by the way, and two small fish. Uh, When he names that, he says in the very next line, but what good is that among so many? He's living in the midst of Gosh, Jesus, if I bring something to you, even though it is not enough, I still want to bring it to you, but will it make a difference? That, that mystery of living between the faith and the miraculous and the reality of the problem in front of us. Andrew sees it and he names it out loud for us. Here's something, can you do? No, I don't know if you, that won't work. And Jesus says, okay, have everybody sit down. I'm so thankful for the people in our world that are willing to bring no-named kids to the table. How many of you, right, may not have it this year because we may have smaller numbers, but you've done the kids table thing. We've said, kids, over there, in the other room. We know you're not going to eat any of the actual meal we prepared. You're going to eat mostly dessert and olives, pickles, and bread, but we're going to just put you in your own little table over there and you know truthfully the kids table is kind of where it's at isn't it sometimes we'll probably have more fun if we sit at the kids table but this is what we do you know sometimes we've grown up where children are better to be seen and not heard you know sometimes we just put kids we put people over there the thing that i appreciate so much about andrew in this miracle story is that he sees this kid because there were other accounts of the disciples where kids would come to jesus and they'd say beat it get out of here kid And that's why Jesus has to say, let the children come unto me and do not hinder them. Why does he say that? Because they've been hindering the kids. There's another story where the the disciples were walking along the road and Jesus stops them and he's like, hey guys, what were you you just talking about there? What are you talking about when you're uh, walking on the road? And they were a little quiet. Now I want you to say out loud, I want you to tell me. What you were just talking about. We were talking about which one of us is the greatest. Yeah, sounds a little weird to say it out loud, doesn't it? You can just imagine that. Like, I'm much better than you are. I'm greater than you. Did you see what Jesus did for me yesterday? That clearly shows that I'm better than you. What are you guys talking about? Hmm, yeah. Which one of us is the greatest? Ah, okay. Object lesson time takes a kid, a kid, takes a child, puts the child in the center of them. The, the gospel say, in the center. He says, gather around, boys, gather around. The kingdom of heaven, his, belongs to such as these, his. Now, when you welcome this kid, you're going to welcome me, but not just me. The one who sent me. You want to talk about greatness? You need to have faith like this kid. You talk about greatness? Live as a child. So here's this no-named kid that is in the 5,000-plus. And somehow Andrew... He so says, this kid's got his sack lunch. He brings him to Jesus. And I wonder how much of the impossible is not solved in our world, how much of the miraculous is not known or we get to participate in because we've put kids at the kids' table, because we've put those that we feel like don't have an audience with Jesus over to the side. That's one of the things that you know we need to practice. For the harvest is plentiful, Jesus would say. John would say that there's plenty of grass for Jesus to do His miraculous work. The challenge is, are we going to be willing to invite people to come to the field of the miraculous, to come to a table of plenty, to come and experience a God who not only meets our need, but meets the needs of those on and on and on through the ministry of leftovers. The one who fills to overflowing. There's got to be room, right? If we are a people of leftovers, do you believe that we could still yet be a people to say, we still have a room at the table for you, friend? Come on. Jesus says when you're going to throw a banquet, when you're going to throw a party, who are you going to invite? And then he begins to talk about all the people in the world during his day that would have never been invited to the table the blind, and the lepers. And he goes on, he says, those are the people that when you throw a banquet, invite them, they are welcome at this table. The 23rd Psalm, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my friends and family. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of everyone who voted like I did three weeks ago. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of who? Mine enemies. Ooh. That will make for an interesting dinner conversation. God prepares a table. When God prepares a table, there's going to be room for someone there that isn't just going to look like us, talk like us, think like us, but may even be someone that's just so different from us that is our enemy. God says, there's room for the table for your enemy because I'm setting it. I prepare the table. There's plenty of grass, friends. Plenty of grass for Jesus to take the bread and the fish to do his miracle. And say, go ahead, friends. Go ahead, disciples. Go ahead out into the crowds and share it with strangers. And they collected 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And the crowds were in wonder and the disciples were in awe. That boy's lunch not only fed the thousands, but it fed the people that probably wouldn't have let him into the table in the first place. It fed the disciples, most of which were saying, kid, eh, we got a real problem to solve here. We're facing a pretty big task. It's pretty important, and we don't have time to be bothered with a kid. Go sit at the kid's table and let the grown-ups do the work. It may be the very kid, maybe the very person that we've put to the margin or to another table or to the outside that has bread, not just for the thousands, but bread for us. If we might only acknowledge and pull up an extra chair or say, hey, there's plenty of grass. We believe that Jesus can do something with this. So when you, at the end of your meal this week, get out all the Tupperware And you can't find the lids because they're all over the place. I know that's, at least maybe that's my house. You spend three hours searching for the lid of the Tupperware and you finally find it when you put the leftovers in. Be thankful. Remember that God provides not just what you would need, but provides enough, more than enough for someone else. So use those leftovers. Remember, be thankful But also, when you use them, remember that you could have probably had some more people at your table. Now, not with COVID, we get that. But to say, how many more people can we welcome into our family, into our lives? Is there enough grass there for Jesus to do the miraculous in your life this week? I believe so. I believe there's plenty of grass. Let us pray. We thank you for your overfilling grace, Lord, your power, your mercy, your strength and compassion that pours into us by your Spirit so that we overflow with hearts of gratitude, not just for the simple things of our lives, but for the moments when we are amazed that we are able to eat and to be satisfied or to have our fill, and yet there are always leftovers. Help us to share it as those who have been satisfied, as those whose needs have been met by your grace. Help us to share with children. Help us to see the children, the unnamed ones in our world that may have something of the miraculous for us. Help us to welcome them, to welcome all people to our table. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.